Crank up that diesel. Um, um, um. Let's go diesel. Um. Things first, uh, Cliff, tell the folks at home why we don't care about your mock draft. Because they're not real, dog. Like, how many times we got to do this, man? We do this every year. <laughs> Fuck your PFF mock draft that you did at four in the morning off some fucking sour, man. I don't give a damn about that mock draft. Don't care, folks. NFL Network saying we have a B minus or some shit like that. That's not important, right? Dog, I don't even understand the kind. I don't, I. I remember I used to be into that, the draft stuff in that way, but I'm over draft content, man. I'm just over it. I'm, just, I'm yeah. absolutely over it. Yeah. Everybody thinks they know what the fuck they're talking about, but it's only in that moment. Everybody has a top 300 players. Everybody has a draft grade. Everybody has an opinion on where a player should have gone, and if that player didn't go in that round, that means your team doesn't know what they're doing. How the fuck did we get here? Don't get me wrong. Like you said, it's, I mean, it's entertaining. It's something to talk about. But, like, I don't give a fuck what Mel Kuyper and Tom McShay graded us out as. All yeah. I'm worried about is that the team get the pieces that they felt they needed in order for this roster to improve. So That's about as much energy as I want to give that. Uh, obviously, there was a lot of talk about some of our picks maybe being, like, reaches and this and that, yada, yada, yada. Um, that's dumb. PFS big board of 300 players has – no uh, real correlation with our big board. Uh, we draft for certain needs in certain situations, and their big board is just an arbitrary list of 300 players that they ranked. I mean, no real NFL team drafts by some publications big board. So, my favorite is when people are like, "I thought they could have got him later." <laughs> Based on what? Though? Based on what? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But e- either way. Do we have a pick in the, in the, like, this is not a video game where you just have trade back offers mm-hmm. just like sitting there. You know what I mean? It doesn't work that way, obviously. Either way, if you could take someone at 27, then you can take them at fucking 19, man. You did like what? I, I, Paul, I know you don't want to spend too much time on it, but it's just like the way that people get so angry about that, like, we took Dotson at 16, right? Mm-hmm. And like Paul, you mentioned, people were saying, well, you could have got him in the 20s, or you could have got him early second round. Well, there are other teams that needed wide receivers. A lot of Titans, they took Burks. Apparently the Packers were interested in Dotson as well. Like there's no guarantee that the player that the team wants would even be available at that point, even if we had a pick, even if we had traded back again and got an opportunity to have another pick in the 20s or early second round. Like when you when the team identifies a player that they need or they feel will fit their scheme, you take that player, man. If you take him, if you're willing to take him at 27, you should be willing to take him at 15. That's that's just that's just how I see it. Absolutely. And I mean, just to put like a cap on this, it's like we had mentioned that like we think these fans care too much about draft grades, right? People like get mad because they see Johan Dotson a first round pick at 16, but they look at Mox and see him going in the in the 20s. You know what I'm saying? Like, but like being realistic, realistically, he wasn't gonna make it past like 22, 23, where the Chiefs were. Or where the Packers were, we couldn't trade back into the 20s. Fine, we're taking our best ranked wide receiver at 16, and we'll add a couple picks for our trouble. Would Olave would have been nice? Yes, but I feel like people are getting mad because oh, they've heard Olave pretty much mocked to us for four months. Johan Dotson is a lesser known of the big group of wide receivers at the top of this draft, but he's the perfect fit, and you got some extra compensation, which you know we wanted anyway. So I don't, I, I don't see what the big deal is. I'm glad you said it like that, too, the lesser known. Like, we know a lot of people out here now watching Penn State football. Ohio State, they're on every prime time. People are seeing Olave and Garrett Wilson run up and down the field, but little do they know, Jahan Dotson's out there doing the same thing. I mean, for all we know, this brother, when you when you compare the two, I'm pretty sure Dotson could have gone on Ohio State's offense and excelled just, just the same way Chris Olave did. So I, uh-huh. I, I just don't like how people are just shitting on the kid because we took him at 16. Little do they know, this, he's a baller, man. He's a playmaker. Allow him to come in here and get comfortable with Scott's scheme, and I know we're gonna get in all that, but right that that draft grade draft grade stuff and position and where you take players, it's just it's it's fucking foolish. I'm sorry. I, I know I said I wouldn't give it any more energy, but I have to say one more thing. 
if Yon Dustin comes out this year and catches 75 passes and goes over a thousand yards, do you think anybody will care that we drafted him at 16? Y'all are so quick to like assign grades to these players just based on like name value. It really guarantees you nothing. How does this player fit into our culture? How does he fit into our scheme? How old is he? Like, is he injury prone? There's a lot of these factors that go into these teams' big boards. And it, just, it doesn't matter where you get them from. Do you believe in our prospect or not? You believe in them, draft them wherever. That's the bottom line. And for me, it's why do I – what the fuck do I actually know about the NFL draft? Man? Seriously. If I had to go through time and, like, think about the players who I thought would be good who ended up being trash and players I thought were trash who ended up being good, why would I assume I know better than Mark Mayhew? It's just like, it's just kind of silly when you think about it. Let's get to these players, all right? First, let's start with the trade, though. Saints jump up five spots, take 11, and we jump back to a 98 and 120. So add a third and the fourth round pick. Super duper pump for Dotson. We've talked to him privately. I had seen him mocked at 47, but I was like, there's no way he's going to be going to 47. He's going somewhere to the 20s. Very good player. He has great hands. Speedy. The only thing, concern is his size, but he's just about the same size as uh, not really uh, how big is Tyler Lockett? He's Tyler. Yeah, yeah. Sold. Yeah. Also, <laughs> also, what year is this, dog? This is not nineteen ninety three, man. Receivers are smaller and out there killing, like they yeah. are. The rules are very different. Took the words out of my mouth. Yep. I, I yeah, like anybody who knows the trend, the way which NFL receivers, um, like. You don't ever really see these big body receivers going early. Like the fact that Drake London went top 10 is kind of like it's it's unusual these days. Mates are back to back tight ends, top 10. <laughs> yeah. well, to your point, Paul, like there's people that were, like you said, they're complaining the team went from 11 to 16 because we didn't get a lobby. They had an opportunity to get James Williams, they had an opportunity to get Kyle Hamilton. And I mean, obviously, over time, we'll see if they made the right or wrong decision, but. For me personally, I was actually glad that the team was actually proactive and actually did a trade back. I didn't think Riverboat would do it. I know they were talking about it, but I just, you know, I just had my doubts that the team would actually find a way to move back and get some conversation and to be able to get those middle round picks and to still be able to add a player at of Jahan Dotson's ability. Like mm-hmm. this guy's gonna line up all over this offense. And this this stuff that people are talking about, this guy is only a slot receiver. Again, they clearly didn't watch enough Penn State football because he could line up anywhere. Riverboat was already talking about how he could kill over the middle of the field. That's the one thing that he was excelling at in Penn State. And like I said, he's he's a playmaker, man. You need playmakers. Cliff mentioned the game has changed how small receivers are killing more where the rules are allowing you to go across the field. There's less press coverage, less hands-on to receivers because, you know, they're throwing flags all day. So with his ability to move and, like, he's 4-4 he's four, four speed, man. This dude's a playmaker. So Absolutely. I think people need to be a lot more open to this guy and, and what he, his impact is what he's going to have on this offense. Like his hands are serious, man. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah, everybody's highlight package always is their first, like, 10 best plays to start out, and then they get into more of, like, the uh, the more routine stuff. But everything he catches on his highlight reel looks like a difficult catch. I'm like, it, it's almost like he makes it look so routine that when he makes mm-hmm. a crazy catch, you're like, oh, he did it again. Like, he does it so often, it's just like, it doesn't even surprise me anymore. anymore. He does something ridiculous. Great yeah. hands. Really long arms. I, I forgot what he measures arms at, but like you can, t- he plays bigger than he is because catch everything and his catch radius is wider than it should be. The reason he's making all these acrobatic catches, right? Because his QBs were terrible. Penn State's offense was boo boo. The QB was boo boo. Like any team in the Big Ten, when you played Penn State, you knew you had a game plan for Dotson, and he still was out there giving DBs fits. So what's the <laughs> I mean, name? Is it Sean Clifford? Sure yeah. Is. yeah, man. I, I somebody had a tweet. I forgot who it was. But it's like you watch him play, like you turn on his tape, and you can just tell, like off bucks, he's playing with bums. Like he's mm-hmm. the only. <laughs> I mean, he's there's been good receivers there, but like obviously they're raising the level of the quarterback play, not the other way around. He, like the quarterback out there is just a liability, and if you don't have a dog on the edge, you have no chance of moving the ball through air. And I mean, he finished with the second most catches in Penn State history. That says something. Mm-hmm. What's less than Penn State the quarterback? Yeah. Sorely, man. I mean, he had Missouri for a couple of years. Missouri wasn't terrible. NFL quarterback. He's still in Baltimore, Missouri. Nah. What happened to Missouri? Where the fuck he go at? He not on nobody's team. He was on the Ravens, then he got hurt. 
That's right, he did get hurt when Lamar had to go. In the, I remember that that Cleveland night. Listen, man, we'll see what happens with Dotson. I just, I, it's it I'm a huge is. fan. I'm a fan, Cliff. I'm sorry, I'm a fan. He's nice. That's all I really you know, like. You know, I'm pretty sure we was mentioning Dotson if we possibly had the opportunity to trade back and like <laughs> for him to still get this guy. I mean, you, you can't be upset at that. If the team was able to get two middle round picks, and we'll see how they pan out. I, I can't I can't complain. Obviously, yeah, we don't know what the firepower where we could have with a Jameson Williams. And I mean, good luck to Jameson, good luck to Kyle, good luck to Olave. But I also feel like Dotson's gonna be a big time playmaker for us, man. He's gonna compliment Terry just as good as I think Olave would. Scott got a lot of tools in his bag to work with, man. How do you guys think he fits into um the wide receiver room and fits in the offense right away? Obviously, he's gonna be expected to contribute right away. Um And also, I I wonder where his snaps are going to be distributed from. Is it at the expense of Curtis Samuel? Is it at the expense of um, less 12 personnel? I'm just curious about what we're going to be doing now. Now the wide receiver room is looking a little bit more filled out. You know? I don't don't know because I've never seen Turner's offense. Nope. I just never said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what Scott Turner's optimal, his ideal offense with this group of players. I don't know what that looks like. If anything, we're so, finally going to see so limited. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's kind of like the perfect storm. I mean, say what you want. I think Washington today had posted our expected offense, like at least quarterbacks and skill position players. Like it's an impressive list, considering that we were trotting out three rookies including uh what uh, steven sims jr like three years ago as our receiving core like this is like one of the worst in the league like they built it up like it's some guys out there then you add in the tight ends we have there and the running backs when we got there now and you have a quarterback that will ball down the field it's actually an impressive little offensive group so you know i mean potentially they could have something dynamic i don't, I don't want to speak out of pocket but it looks all right. I don't think he's speaking out of pocket, bro. Like, it's, it's, it's going to give an opportunity for him to move Curtis around even more now. Like, Terry's going to have somebody opposite him that's is going to draw some safety attention. Like, you yeah. can't just be out there doubling Terry because Dotson will run past your ass down the middle on that post route. Mm-hmm. So, you got tight ends that you're going to be able to use on the seam routes. You got Curtis Samuel running your little gadget plays. Like, it's – I think we're going to see a whole new offense. And yeah. to be honest with you, it's 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 actually kind of exciting, man. I know we're gonna get into the other picks, but I think Scott has, a, I think he's got some stuff up his sleeve. All right, well, let's move on to the next pick, Big Fedarian Mathis, a D tackle from Alabama. I'm not gonna lie to you guys, I did not see that coming at all. I didn't think that D tackle was on the board there, um, just because I just didn't think there's anybody there that was worth taking. So I probably, along with the rest of Commanders Twitter, was having a negative reaction to that. Like, I wasn't as vocal about it online, but I was like, yo, what, what, what is this? What is this? But um, the more I read about him and the more that I looked into why I would do something like that, the more I like, first off, you need somebody to give snaps to relieve uh, Allen and Payne this year because, you know, you let go of your two primary backups. Number two, you need somebody to replace Payne when he inevitably leaves next year. And number three, whoa, whoa. When he, when he might leave next year, let's not you know, <laughs> pack up the moving truck yet, but it's looking like pain might be gone after this year. Come on, that's not a stretch. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying anything that's not already been like leaked out there in the, in the news and the press and shit. It's not a stretch. Why? It's not a stretch. I just don't want to get ahead of ourselves because we don't know how the season's going to play out and the injuries happen. And I mean, a lot could change between now and, you know, the end of the year. So, Right. I mean, I would think that drafting somebody in the second round, the die has been cast a little bit to this point, right? Hey, man. I think people should let time, let time, let it play out. And you know, y'all know I'm a big fan. I'm a big pain supporter. So I ain't trying to be like a homer right now, but Mm -hmm. with the way that we rotate our D tackles, Fedarian's going, he's going to be getting big clock anyway. So I don't know if we really want to be looking at subtracting the wrong pain because there ain't shit behind Fedarian, if we being honest, I mean, honest. So <laughs> I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. But. Okay, well, let me, let me get to number three. The third reason why I'm kind of excited about the Fedarian pick now is because Payne and Allen are great. They're both great defensive tackles. But I, I feel that like they both are best when they're penetrating, and they both penetrate a lot. And it, you've seen that it sometimes leaves our linebackers out to dry. And what Fedarian does great is stack blockers. Like, like he 
will plug the middle. And I, I know that the old school nose tackles are kind of a thing of the past, but he's he's not. He has a little bit of a pass rush to his game. I think he had nine sacks over the past two years, like and move the pocket and the other guys eat in the middle. But when you have guys who only penetrate in the run game, it kind of leaves your linebackers uh, in a in a bad spot, and he kind of alleviates that problem. So that's why I was kind of excited to see us take him once I learned a little bit more about him. He's a dirty work D tackle. It's all somebody got to do the dirty work, man. Everybody can't. Everybody can't go get sacks all day. A lot of pain. Like someone's gotta, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's there's nothing wrong with guys who can do that. But you gotta have someone who is willing to take up blocks. Stats are not gonna be flashy. That's kind of the same role he had at Bama for him. Yep. I mean, last year was his first year where he had close to ten sacks. He had nine total, but. I mean, when you turn on Bama again, you you notice for Darian. Like, that brother was taking up space. He's like, Paul said, taking up blocks. Bronco does offer 24 7 claim. Well, what's yeah. that? Well, what's, what's going on there, man? You good? Yeah, that was. <laughs> Your ass playing and shit. I'm in. <laughs> incredibly rare. 50 gut getting that money. We ain't even know. <laughs> My bad. I was opening uh, uh, his profile page and the joint was on. We all talking because I muted the computer. I'm just yeah. saying, man, like, Federian, like, when you turn on Alabama games, all you notice Federian. Like, apparently, according to Nick Saban, like, he was the captain of the team. Like, he was the one that people used to go to. And I think, honestly, for us, I think that's something that we need as well. Like, I know John Allen's the captain of the room, Chase, da 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 da, da but not saying Federian's going to walk right in the locker room and be a leader, but apparently he's real vocal. Um, and apparently he's real close with Payne as well. So I think he's somebody who can kind of rally them and, you know, keep that energy up and, bring another little intensity level that we may not have had coming off the um, bench last year. Right. Right. Didn't Saban call him a permanent captain? Anybody permanent that, captain. That's what anybody that Nick Saban deems qualified enough to be a permanent captain is all right by me. Mm-hmm. You know, you get that album pedigree. You already know that he's coming here with his mindset on, on winning games and stuff like that and changing culture. But when you're a permanent captain, you, that's just the best of the best. And, you know, to have somebody Nick Saban vouch for you like that, that, you know that he's about his business, about winning games. And frankly, we need more guys like that here. So, um, you know, really. What do you think about people saying they don't like how we took a with our second or our second round pick? They consider him to be a backup player. I mean, let's let's be, let's keep it a stack. You would ideally you want your second round pick to be playing right away, and he might not be playing as much this year. Uh, if all things go well, he's not playing as much this year because you want to get as much out of Payne and Allen as you possibly can. Um, but he'll be the third D tackle, and we've seen in years past they usually play a lot. Um, I think that he's going to start out at least being an earlier down player. Like I, I don't, I can't see him being in like third and long packages as of right now. But that's fine. Just let's just focus on what you do well right now. We use you as a chess piece on defense, and uh, we can go from there. Is it a little bit rich? I don't know. Sure. But no, at the same no, time, okay. we've we already talked about this. Like, if we thought this is a is a is a need that we need here, is a need that we need to fill. If it's a gap that we need to fill, like, go ahead, sure, draft him. He's valuable to us. He doesn't mean value everybody. Oh, but to that's us. not. That's the that's the thing, though, Paul. It's not. Is that what it's about? Right. Like, you just want production out of your picks. Right. Right. I think I think a lot of times when people look at the draft, they might remember a big hit that someone had in the second round pick. But then when you go check that team's history, all they've been doing is sh- like essentially throwing Hail Marys rounds two and three, missing, missing, missing. You get one big hit, everybody praises you for it. Mm-hmm. We have not been getting production out of these picks in that range, right? Right. And most second round picks, if you like, if you were to look at, uh, if we were to look at like a 2016 second round, how many of those players ended up being starters? It's not that many. They might get two or three. If that. Like, it's probably like, yeah, it's probably like five, six. It's, it's, it's like maybe 20%. You know, you know what I mean? Like, we just need people to come be productive. We can't have no Ryan Andersons, man. <laughs> no, no doubt. Like just get on Ryan Anderson or Sewer Yeah. Nah, yeah. When you just get nothing. Mm-hmm. Can't even play special teams. You've given us nothing. Yeah. 
which is why I hate the narrative that the t- that fans was putting out on Twitter talking about like you don't draft a backup uh, third string tackle. Like again, the way this team rotates D tackles, we're going to need him. He's going to be playing a lot more than people think, in my opinion. I think he's really going to be on the field heavy. Yes, we want to see a lot of John Allen, Deron Payne, but I mean, there's been several times when we all been watching games together. Like, damn, we're we're 94, we're 99, like we're 90 at, we're 93 at, like. They rotate a lot, so you need dogs coming off the bench on your D line. So I'm good with. It. Okay, right. Well, so what would you say to the people that um, would bring up that we probably had other needs at positions we were more bare than D tackle? Like while we did lose two backups, you didn't have a starter at middle linebacker, something that they have said they need. Um, you might not have a starter at um, a quote unquote uh, was it the, the money backer position or um, Buffalo nickel like. They needed one of those. I, let's just pretend like Len Collins might not be coming back. Uh, so what would you say to that? Like you drafted somebody that you use some of the time versus somebody you might be using every down, every play, every snap. Well, I'd say John Allen, Deron Payne are one, one play away or one injury away from having Fedarian be a starter. Like this is football. Injuries happen. I can't say Fedarian's uh, we overreached because again, especially with the big fellas, <laughs> Come on now, in the trenches, anything, anything can happen. Legs get caught up. Like you, you got to have bodies to rotate inside. I, Dog, I, I just, I don't agree with that. Bro, assessment I'm, of us, it's not I'm of not, us reaching for a D tackle. I just don't like. I'm it. not answering for their board. It is entirely possible if they had him above any Mike linebacker or Buffalo nickel person player. Would you? So you'd rather they would take a player who wasn't highest on their board? Just I don't know game. why. I don't think I don't know why they took him. Cause I didn't make the pick. <laughs> like my like real shit. I think every team sort of just approaches that shit differently. Mm-hmm. Some teams will literally take the best player available. Mm-hmm. Some teams, they're like, well, yeah, we like him over him, but who do we like second at that position? Is that person going to be our next? Pick? Like they have like all these different reasons. Yep. So I don't know. I don't know. Okay, they didn't take Mathis. We don't know who their next new tackle was that they liked. Mm-hmm. They might have thought it's possible the next time we pick, that player won't be there. Yep. So I don't know. That's the last thing funny. on that. I think that's just so team different that it's hard for me to answer. I can't answer that. They took him. What do you want me to do? You mentioned how fans are saying – we have a need at middle linebacker. We have a need at Buffalo Nickel. Well, the fans are saying that. We don't know what they feel inside. They've already told us maybe Holcomb could be our middle linebacker. Or it's like you just mentioned earlier, it's, potential, it's a chance Landon could come back. Or Rivera also mentioned in his little press conference, Percy Butler, who I'm sure we'll get to, could potentially fill that role along with playing deep safety. So I'm sure it could be. We also have other draft picks that we don't know where they're at. Derek Forrest, Khalid Hudson, where is he at? For all we know, they've stepped up in their game and maybe they can fill that role. So right. we don't know what's going on inside that building. So we can't just assume as fans, oh, they didn't draft that player, so it's still a need. I, That's I, I the can't part that. that, like Mayhew said, that I actually wholeheartedly agree with him on. I don't know what they think about the roster. Like, they probably got a depth chart whiteboard. I don't know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. I just don't. Right. So the, the, their reasons for making certain decisions, like who they have lined up in free agency, they signed Trey Turner today. We didn't know they didn't mm-hmm. sign Trey Turner. But they, they also didn't draft the lineman, right? They, we did. They, they drafted a the guard like seventh round, right? So right. Paul's cousin, Chris Paul. My man. <laughs> so, you don't know what their plans are, man. I think it's so, it's, it's really the mock draft season, dog. It gets people into thinking that this shit is literally done that way. You just like like it like we do it like your little fantasy draft at home. You just click a button on a player. He just pops up. Nah. There's like a lot of decisions being made. I don't it's hard for me to under, for me it's like hard for me to understand how they go about doing that because I don't fully understand it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not trying to play devil's advocate. I'm just asking for the sake of asking. Do you get some of the frustration the fans are experiencing this weekend with that pick? 
Yeah, but the fans are frustrated with everything that they do. Yeah, like <laughs> so, so like, am I like I can't just give credence to every time they're frustrated. They said, "Hey, we want them to get a receiver in the first round." Oh, they need to upgrade the offense. They did that. People didn't like. And they it. still they didn't like the player. Mm-hmm. Why did they choose a D tackle? I don't know. I just know fans like flashy stuff, man. Yeah, flashy shit don't win football games, man. That's just sort of why I'm glad on it. You need you need D linemen. You need offensive linemen. I'm never gonna be. I'm never gonna be frustrated with my squad for drafting a lineman. Nope. It's gonna be hard because you need them. It's all fun yeah. and games till we're getting fucking gashed. Yep. Right. By Miles Sanders or Jerry, You know what I'm saying? Like that's one of those things. It's like, sure. Would you like that nickel backer? I'm sorry of the Buffalo nickel position. Sure. It's a defensive lineman. Like that's you need those, man. They're necessary. Absolutely. Absolutely. You gotta have them. Um Ben Standick was on today with Shannon. He, he he kind of put it in a way that I liked. Um, he was talking about instead of going like best player available, and maybe it's possible that's what they were doing, but it seemed like they were just filling gaps in the roster, like which is you know, is, is another way to go about it. And honestly, it's a smart way to go about it. Like it's possible that Federian wasn't the highest rated player on their board at the time when they drafted but they were in desperate need of this guy for their defense maybe they felt like Allen and Payne were incompatible together to get this job done so they drafted somebody who moving forward will be a perfect fit for what Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera want to do um you know they didn't take a lot of it but maybe Dotson doesn't or Dotson is a better fit for what Scott Turner wants to do and we know that you know we're talking about Brian Robinson next we know that he's a better fit in the run game, maybe possibly than Antonio Gibson. So it's a lot of like, you know, it's just like, I can see why they did what they did with each of these picks. I can see how it fits into what they've been trying to run for two years right. now. So that just, exactly. that just trumps anything that I hear about best player available, yada, yada, yada. That's just my yeah. point. Yeah. I'll put you on that. And you know how we do the draft, man. Certain teams, no one second guesses any of the decisions. Ever. No one's ever like, well, why would the Ravens do that? Why would the Steelers do that? No one ever well, does like, like New England taking that guard that everybody thought was going third round, but everybody was like, well, damn, Belichick saw something in him, so right. he must be good. Right. Like, so, so right. honestly, when it comes to the draft, the fan base, they haven't built that trust equity with the fan base there. Because if these were Kyle Smith decisions, the fan base really liked Kyle Smith. Uh-huh. Right. right? Didn't really like they. If these picks were made by someone else whose opinion they thought was like, like, like McLuhan, remember how the McLuhan drafts were after those drafts? How the fan yeah, base was. Yeah. It was booming with the Cal Smith stuff. They're like, Cal, like, oh my God, Cal Smith wouldn't done this. I'm like, yeah, Cal Smith did draft some good players. He also drafted Bryce Love. So like, you know. <laughs> but, but for me, it's, I almost feel like, what are the margins on being good or bad in the draft? This is very, like, not every, no one's really actually good at it, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. You're bad, what you hitting, like 280 bad and average wise? Mm-hmm. Most teams fuck the draft up. I mean, what's shit? Look at Baltimore. Right. Look Baltimore, Baltimore sat there, Cliff. They sat there. They ain't had to do shit. Kyle Hamilton fell in a lap. Next thing you know, Linderbaum fell in a lap. They right. didn't make some amazing ass picks. They got the, the players just fell in yeah. there. Of course, they. But what if Hamilton doesn't work out? Me, the but then they're going to be looking like they're a great draft expert. Yeah. Yep. But this is what I'm saying. They're seen as a great draft expert because they got Kyle Hamilton. There's some teams that if they ended up in that scenario, people would be like, "Well, there are a lot of teams that passed on them." It'd be seen differently. You know what I'm saying? Like they just don't have that trust with the fan base because they haven't had any. What did, what did they have? This is their, second, their third draft? Rivera's third draft, right? Let well, alone the first round pick draft. last year. Jamin Davis couldn't see the field. So I, right. I understand the right. skepticism. So there's some skepticism. So right. I get it. Right. I think well, they didn't know what, who the fuck McLaurin was. So that's just <laughs> they my, sure that's did. my whole point. Yeah. They didn't know who Antonio Gibson was. Mm-hmm. They had no idea. A lot of these people don't aren't like tape dogs. And I'm not saying that we are because we don't you know, grind tape like some of these guys do um, and some of these, like, uh, professional analysts do, obviously. Like, we all are big fans of college football, like, really big fans of college football. So we know 
some of the bigger names and we know some of the lesser known names too, but we don't know everything. Like you think I was sitting there, oh my goodness, they drafted uh, Percy Butler. Like I mentioned his name once. I probably like read about him one time. Like, I don't know anything about this dude. So anything that I learned about them, they've known for months and right. they have a whole catalog of information and, on this man. And one thing that I always think gets forgotten, we don't know who they took off their board. Mm-hmm. There might be players that you really think they should draft who are not on their board before, for non-football reasons. Mm-hmm. Or it could be medical reasons. Like, there might be players that you're like, yo, they should take that guy. Like Jameson Williams. They could have been like, nah, we ain't fucking with him. It's me. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe our doctors might, look at him. They right. didn't trust the situation. There might be some players, you know, because and this is Rivera we're talking about. There might be some mm-hmm. players that he's he's heard that they were told things about and he's just like, we're not interested in that player. All right, let's move on to our third round pick. Is that pick 98? This is the first pick we got from the Saints and the round one trade. Running back Alabama, Brian Robinson Jr. I didn't think we'd go running back this early. If I'm just keeping it in a stack, I actually fell asleep after the Fedarian pick. So <laughs> I woke up on the couch confused as hell, saw that Jones, like, oh, Brian Robinson, sweet, went right back to sleep. Because uh, I was up t- till like two in the morning on Thursday night trolling people on Twitter because they was like, oh my God, Dotson. But anyway, um, I know something about him. I think I, I comped him to like a Chris Carson type player, like not a true power back, just a real good, solid all around dude. But I'll let you go into a little bit uh, further detail about his game. I feel like he's a tough inside runner. He actually has good hands too. Tough mm-hmm. inside runner. He's got good hands. He's just not going to break any like big carries and he's not flashy. He's like a one cut dude. You know, he kind of like, um, Shit, like Latavius Murray. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Like That's just, a good one. Like there's not really, yeah. there's not really any wiggle. Yeah. One cut. If he if if there's like if, if he can cut backside and he can already see it because he has like good pretty good vision, he's gonna hit that hole. Probably get eight yards. He ain't getting eighty. He ain't probably no. ain't getting twenty five. But probably he's pretty he's pretty good on short yardage. Very good at like the goal line, so I mean, he's yeah. player. I just he's bringing, that, a, he's bringing the physicality to that backfield, man. Right? Is that the kind of back I would draft? No, but I could get why they would draft that kind of back. So, mm-hmm. also to that point, like, and I think we're all in agreement. Gibson don't need to be taking all that punishment, man. Gibson is somebody that we need in open space. Right. Brian Robinson is a perfect build for someone to run between the tackles. He's gonna get you those tough yards. Like, this dude, he he waited his turn at Bama. He showed out last year. Like Cliff said, he's a one-cut-and-go. He put his head down. Paul, that comp to Chris Carson, I thought about that earlier, bro. I, hey, <laughs> he, he literally he, – he runs real similar to Chris Carson. Um, he's great – I'm not going to say he's great in pass pro, but he's willing to put his head in there and step up in the pocket and block for his quarterback. So um, That's the one thing I actually heard um, is that he isn't good in pass pro. I don't know if that's true or not. Like, I, 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 I don't know much about this cat – um, you know, him being a one-year starter is kind of incredible because he, he was so uh, highly recruited and then he was behind Najee Harris and he was behind uh, – who's other back? Was he behind Damian Harris for a while too? I mean, insert name of Alabama back. Yeah. Went for 1,000 yards. Yeah. But here's the thing though. Here's the thing though. If you were defending him in a way, there were other top backs at Bama who were in his class and like younger him that he beat out. Yep. People can't tell me he can't pass, bro, because he didn't come off the field. Like, if, sorry, if unless they were like full empty, he was there receiving back, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And Paul, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that he was great. What I would say is more so I was trying to say he would bring like a physicalness to that back. But obviously he's going to have to improve in his pass, bro. Like, and we have one of the best pass pro blocking backs in McKissick and JD's like, Four feet eleven. So right, I'm hoping, right, 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 right. <laughs> I'm hoping Robinson can come in here at six one, two twenty five, two thirty, and you know, learn to put his hand in the dirt and get up there and protect his quarterback. So right, the reason I represent the pass pros because that's Bill O'Brien. That was Bill O'Brien as their office coordinator. Mm-hmm. Right, so they're running like a lot of shit that's ran the league. Like for the so for the backs, it is a lot of the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, good point. Good point. Yeah, that's he does run a lot of NFL um, concepts. At Bama, so he's going to be ready to come down here and contribute right away, which um, well leads me to two points. One, um, I don't know if you guys noticed, uh, they drafted a lot of older players this year, a lot of like fifth year seniors, a lot of guys that were 
23, 24 years old. I believe the corner they drafted in the last round was is almost 25, believe it or not. Um, what do you guys make of that? I, I kind of read that as they wanted some guys to come in who are ready to play at every spot they drafted. They didn't want to have to develop anybody because they are trying to like make a big push here in year three. So I think they wanted more guys to contribute right away. That's the first point I want to make. The second point I want to bring up is how do you think this eats into what we hoped was Antonio Gibson, uh, you know, taking the reins of the position in year three? There's obviously going to be a split there now, but how much do you think this could impact his um, production and his development as a running back? Um, so the first point, I did notice that we drafted a, a few older players. Um, I don't think that would mean they don't want to develop the players. I would think maybe sort more so they just wanted to add a couple more season pieces that could come right in and just be immediate impact players. Um, I don't know. I don't know Jahan Dotson. Hey, 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 real Dotson. quick though, Corey, real quick. Huh. The thing about the age stuff is the COVID shit, right? So the yeah. players are yeah, that's why that's why this that's why this draft was so deep as well. Good point. Yeah, right. Like there are a lot of guys who stayed an extra year. Yep. For better or for worse. So for like Kenny Pickett, he stayed next year. He's 24. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that's also part of it. I think the players just overall are gonna be we're older in this draft. Right. Yeah. Did you guys hear about that one cornerback? I think it's from from Wake Forest. No, like I, I think the, the record for college games played was like 49. And he played 60 because he'd taken full advantage of like the exemption for COVID players. Like mm. imagine playing 60 games in college before you hit the pros. Wow. That's That's shit. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> but um, to that point about Gibson, uh, obviously it's going to lessen his uh, workload, but I think that's a good thing. I don't think that would mean he won't have as much impact on the game and Kind of to Cliff's point earlier, we're going to see uh, more open Scott Turner offense, I'm assuming. And I think he's going to put Gibson in more situations to be in an open field and not have to take that punishment up the middle and allow Robinson to get some more carries and alleviate some of that punishment that Gibson's taking in all those carries. So, yeah, his, his workload might be lessened, but I still think he's going to have a major impact in his offense. I don't think the team has given up on Gibson, which is a theme I've been seeing and hearing on media and radio and Twitter. Like, oh, does that mean Gibson wasn't the right guy? And, is he a bust because he fumbles? Da 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 da. I don't think that's what I don't think that's what this is. Um, I think, like I said, I think this is more of a situation where they just want to add a physical presence to the backfield, and it's going to help Gibson in the long run. So, yeah. So I actually think that they're. they're I think I think we're going to see something very different with Gibson. Is what I suspect. It wouldn't make sense. And I think I said this on a previous pod. It wouldn't make sense when you think, because then why is McKissick here? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, where's the, and they were pretty pressed to resign McKissick and the whole time they thought they were going to take him back. Yeah. So where are the running back carries? Like, where are the snaps? That's I a good problem to have, though. No, I think they're about to change up Gibson, like how they use him. Yeah. Like his whole yeah. role in the office. I think it's about to be different. Because you're not using well, you a round pick on a running back for him to play five carries only for some of the snaps. Like yeah. to me, it looks like this guy's playing. Wouldn't surprise me if he was like the opening game back, first snap of the game. I wouldn't be surprised. Remember from Gibson's workouts too that we were seeing, he he lost a little weight. So it could be a situation where they're changing his role and we could be seeing him lining up outside a little bit more and trying to do some more stuff that he was doing at Memphis. Yeah, yeah. it would make sense because otherwise, I don't understand why you would bring McKissick back. It just it right. just because you've now invested a lot in running back again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I I tend to agree with Cliff. I just think that um, while I think they they do see value in Antonio Gibson as a running back, and uh, they would like to see his development continue, um, there's a way to use him that is probably a better fit for his skills and allows you to do more or uh, unlock more Scott Turner's offense, as you say, because you, mm-hmm. you know he loves those frenetic motion guys. He loves his Curtis Samuels. He loves his DeAndre Carters. But imagine if you have somebody like Gibson also on the field with other backs and he's going in motion. It just adds another wrinkle to what you possibly could do. And um, like I said, like not to say the running back experiment didn't work out. I, I just think that they're deciding to shift the way they want to use him so you yeah. can use him more frequently 
and not have. That's okay. In the you know, nah, it's the so fumbles, though. It's the fumbles. You think it's always it's hundred percent the fumbles? Because he referenced the fumbles in the press conference. Rivera. I mean, of course he did, but that would, that would have been an issue no matter where he's playing, though. Nah, about how Robinson hasn't fumbled. He said that shit. It's yep. the fumbles. You can't be fun. And these are and some of these were bad fumbles. Mm-hmm. Like you lost the game because of that fumble. Nope. It's the mm-hmm. fumbles. This is a defensive. I don't coach. think they've lost confidence in Gibson, though. I still feel like they got big plans for him, but I think like like y'all, like you two have just been saying, it's gonna be a situation. Yeah. They're gonna put him in, in a better situation within this offense where he's not taking that punishment and making plays. So nah, I think they're just like we can't rely on you to be our lead back. Like our he shouldn't be a bell cow, Cliff. Like tote the ball, right? Because you fumble, not because you're injured. Yeah. You fumble. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we hope he cleans that up heading into year three. But um, I'm definitely still excited for what he can do, and I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do absolutely with Robinson. Absolutely. Like that's just you know, adds a little bit more to that room. It's it feels kind of a, like uh, it feels the uh, Peyton Barber role, but he's better than Peyton Barber because Peyton Barber was only good at getting two or three yards, like. You just get more out of him, and it allows you to move your other back to a role where he accentuates his skills a little better. Percy Butler, that was our first pick on Saturday afternoon, fourth-round pick, 113 overall. Um, a lot of guys had talked about him as a free safety. He'd also been seen as a slot corner, both of which Rivera referenced in his press conference after the, uh, the draft was over. And the one thing I noticed um, is that he talked a lot differently about him than he did Derek Forrest last year, who was also, I think it was a fifth round pick. This is a fifth round pick. But yeah. you know, the way he talked about him last year was he is a special teams guy. The way he talked about Percy Butler is that yeah, he might be gunning for somebody's snaps day one. Um sleeper. Two-time all conference, like really, really athletic, like tested really well. Not a great tackler. Not a great tackler, but he is very valuable on teams. Like he, I think he's one of the best gunners in the conference, which is kind of strange. Like, you would think he'd be a good tackler if you're a good gunner, but apparently he's very instinctual, uh, very, very athletic. Like I said, like tons of range, can play multiple positions, and that just goes to that position flex that, that position flex that Ron Rivera loves so much. And it fills a need because you didn't know what the long-term plan with Bobby McCain is, and uh, you definitely need a backup for him at the very least. So, uh, yeah, solid pick. I'm not going to say here pretend like I know a lot about Percy Butler, but – Based on what I've been seeing, this brother can get very physical. Um, he ran a 4-3-6 40 times at the Combine. Um, like Paul mentioned, he, he excels on special teams. He could play the deep safety. He could play the – he could end up potentially play that Buffalo nickel, like, like you just mentioned. So, mm-hmm. I think this is a player that might have a little – he might be my sleeper of this class, man, because from what I was saying, he was he was flying around in his little highlight reel that I saw. So, like I said, I'm not going like I know much about him because I ain't watched many, many Louisiana games. But uh-huh. this is a dude, he's willing to put his hat in there and, 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 and make some contact. So, like Paul mentioned, he, he did struggle a little bit with tackling, but hopefully, you know, he cleans that up, get into the league now, and they can help him with his technique and stuff. But, I mean, I'm, in, I'm intrigued to see this brother in training camp. Uh-huh. Amy Smith. Uh, same hometown as B. Mitch, same school as B. Yep. Mitch. B. Mitch, B. Mitch was shouting them out heavy. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah, y'all see that he uh, had a. He, I think he got a, a baby the night of the draft. The night he got drafted. Yeah. You yep, were yeah. definitely right, Paul. They they were definitely optimistic about him. Like they spoke about him a, in a very different way from Forrest, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I like I said, I don't know how much he's gonna contribute this year from like a from scrimmage standpoint. But I, I'd said I'd seen somebody say like if you were to keep Apke and Butler, you would have the best pair of gunners in the league. Like that's how highly regarded he is as a gunner. And I'm like, well, I mean, that's an important part of the game. Fourth round pick, upside as a free safety moving forward, a dominant gunner right now. I'll take that. That's a good spot to be in for somebody like him who's a fourth round yes. pick, you know, but definitely could buy his time doing other things. Right. You know, it's interesting in this world how we talk about players, right? It's interesting how we do this. What do you mean? Fuck pick was Apke. But what folks oh, say oh, about Apke when he came in? I'm just saying, what this is literally, I'm hearing very <laughs> similar things. That's all I'm saying. 
That's why, look, Cliff, that's, that's why I left it at. I'm interested to see what he does in training. Yeah, let's yeah. see what he does. <laughs> but, like, fast doesn't – now, he looks, like a, he looks clearly like a different player than Apke. I'm just saying yeah. I feel like in the mid-rounds, we see these kind of safeties drafted across the league. Some work out, some don't. I'm not really sure why some work out other, more than others. What the fuck was Monte Nicholson? There's a lot of those certain things. Too busy fighting out one loud. Right? Like he was Off, he was a lot of those same things. Four three. Mm-hmm. He plays physical, doesn't tackle. Super. So let's did y'all hear, <laughs> you know what I mean? Did you hear what Chris Sim said about him? What do you say? Best uh pure free safety in the draft. Best pure free safety NFL draft commander's pick up Percy Butler. Dude has tremendous range in center field. He's very good in all areas of coverage, let alone he has three rockets up his butt and can fly. He is not all coverage. He is a very good tackler, too. That was from Chris Sims. He's the best pure free safety in the draft. I hope so, man. That'd be fucking great. That'd be incredible. (laughs) I'm just saying. I feel like it's safety week. I think I said this on the draft pod. Safety is one of those positions that does not seem – to really be all that much about measurables, man. It seems like a very much like instinct position. So you ran a four yep. three, that's great. I see, feel like I see a lot of them safeties that have ran four threes. And what the fuck the LeBron Landry run? Mm-hmm. But you know where the fuck to go. So what? <laughs> Straight up. Have you heard any of that shit from Sheen and them? <laughs> what are they talking about? You know, they, they try to start up the uh, the Sam Howell shit today. Oh, the Howell. Dog. Dog. It never fails, man. <laughs> Yo, my thing with the draft, they don't generally get these things wrong. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. end up going fifth round, it's probably because you're not that good. It's right. very unlikely you turn into a – what round Dak go? Fourth. Dak was fourth round. How is kind of similar to Dak in some ways. I like how, dog. I'm a, I mean, I, hey, he could grow. I think he could grow into something. Oh, I think so too. I think, I think so too. But I think he got the tools. We know he got a cannon. He can move and shit. To he, me, he to, hmm. Baker, Baker, job. To me, Baker, Baker was what like a like a two star recruit or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you can tell. Like when you see Baker in the league, you can tell because physically he doesn't look that remarkable. Definitely. How got better physical tools than Baker? It's not even really close. I kind of hate that Baker comparison because I'm like, I feel like they only saying that shit because he looked like that motherfucker. I don't nah, think he plays nothing like the, Baker Mayfield. He's got the same, got the same frame, same like, like both like kind of stocky, like six yeah. two, like yeah. a big, a thick frame and. Baker ran a lot in college. Yeah, he did. But Sam, but how got better physical tools than him? How like he does, dog. Yeah. Honestly, if Hal was able to leave after his sophomore year, he would have gone higher. And that's yeah. what a lot of them were saying today, too. They was like, this brother had come out the previous year. I mean, he was talking about going at the top of the first round. So obviously we all know about the, you know, the talent that he lost and shit. Like, don't hold that against him. I mean, obviously, he went in the fifth round for a reason, but he got he got some tools in his bag, man. So I'm interested oh, to see the thing what he's doing camp. They lost they lost players, but he did get worse. Yeah. He did play worse, but the thing is he wasn't eligible for the draft. He's been starting, he was a true true sophomore. He wasn't eligible. Got you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because Hal been starting since freshman year. They lost a lot of talent though. Diami. Uh, Newsom, yeah. the two backs, and Damn. remember they got. Remember they were a top ten team to start the year. Absolutely, they had a, they had a majorly disappointing season. Yeah, they did. But their no team doubt. was trash, man. But yeah, I feel like it's one of those things, man. It, it a lot of times, I feel like in NFL history, there's been a lot of QBs who had they not been like. Put in the situation where all the all the expectations were on them, and they were just given time to develop because they might not have been ready. 
but the league just kind of stopped doing that. This is like yeah, the first I, time where like the draft was kind of normal with the QBs. Mm-hmm. But I don't understand why, but again, I guess, you know, these teams, they need instant satisfaction. Ain't nobody trying to groom no quarterbacks no more, which is just crazy to me, but I don't know. Everybody can't walk on the field and be fucking Peyton Manning, and Peyton even had his struggle, so it's it's, it's crazy. Nobody has the patience for these quarterbacks to groom to groom themselves anymore. Yeah, but that I think that's also because of the QBs that have been coming out lately. There's yeah. some fucking dogs coming out lately. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a class coming out. Well, I, I meant to send y'all that shit, too. You know they already did the uh, – the 2023 mock top 10 and shit. And we was like, of course. That is hard pass. Hey, but you know what's funny? They didn't have us taking the quarterback. They had us taking a safety. And it was like five quarterbacks that went in front of our pick. Listen, listen. This is a very good thing. This is a very good thing. Not only did we get a quarterback, I mean, there really isn't any pressure for him to perform. Like, if we had taken somebody round two, it'd be like, mm-hmm. when's Sam Howell going to be ready? When's Sam Howell going to be ready? Oh, is Carson feeling breathing on his neck like it's just like yeah there's gonna be that but there's literally no expectation of sam howell to ever be anything but if he's something mm-hmm. and that's amazing oh, hey you you know where this is headed though of course i know where it's headed i'm ready <laughs> i was born ready for this born ready <laughs> like there's already good one you're forgetting how many qbs have we drafted since uh griffin cousins um, is it just Haskins? Just Haskins, yeah. It's just Haskins, right? I don't yeah, think everybody else drafted another quarterback. No, yeah. even like we really draft. haven't, right? No, no we haven't. It's nope. been a while mm-hmm. since the quarterback was drafted by some. And this is the first QB they're drafting. Yep. So you already know what training camp's going to be like. Fucking oh, absolutely. Camp. They're going to be commentating on his rookie rookie mini camp. Like, this shit is very important. And I'm going to tell you right now, you already know that if he, quote-unquote, looks good. Preseason. Nah, not preseason. Rookie minicamp. Uh, what are they going to give us? The seven-on-seven stats? <laughs> no. Remember, remember out of um, – that it was out of minicamp last year, right? Or uh, OTAs that they started to my Heineken over Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Critiquing every single throw in camp. Yeah. So you know they're about to gas this rookie camp, whether good or bad. Mm -hmm. Because it's going to be the talk of the camp. All right. Let's talk about the other fifth-round pick. Just five picks later at 149, tight end out of Nevada, Cole Turner. And um, I talked about Cole Turner a few times on this podcast, I think. Um, I talked to you guys about him privately. Uh, For those that aren't hip, ex-basketball background, ex-wide receiver, uh, really long, I believe he's at 6'7", catches just about everything. Like, his highlight reel is impressive. Everything is, like, the body contortions, the way his body control, he's just, everything looks like the, the hardest catch ever. He's not going to block anybody. Um, that's not his game. He is strictly a a uh, a move tight end. I, I saw some where he plays oh. H-back. I have a hard time believing that at 6'7". A move tight end. The move that in. You just described Cole Turner. Yeah. Literally everything you just said to describe Cole Turner. That didn't sound like Drake London. Oh my God. No, no, no. Oh my God. No, no, no. I, I'm making a point. I'm making a point. That didn't sound like Drake London to you. I mean, I guess. Right. We took Cole Turner what round? Yeah. I mean, Cole Turner doesn't run a 4 4 though. No, and, no, no, no. Neither does Drake London. Let's not be fucking kidding ourselves. Here. Cliff, don't sleep on that man 40, dog. No, nope, I'm not sleep. It's not even about sleeping on his 40. What what Cole Turner ran? Like a 4-7? Cole Turner ran a 475 or something like that. Yeah. I bet you Drake London is like a 465. 4-7. I got Drake running at 457, though. It kind of sounds like a lot of the reasons that they like Cole Turner, a lot of the same reasons that they liked Drake London. I mean that's fair. That's fair. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm. That's all I was trying. That's the only. It sounds like he's a very similar <laughs> player. Yeah, I hear you. Red zone threat, big body, jump ball. Like six six two forty. I think I I said six seven four, but he's listed as six six. So I mean, either way, he's big as shit. 
uh, mm-hmm. 1,300 yards, uh, 19 touchdowns over the past two seasons. And when I was watching the Carson Strong highlights, right, that's how I first got hip. I'm like, who is this big-ass dude just making every single diving catch? Like, he's, like, in the middle of the field, just, like, sprawling out, like, just doing something crazy. I'm like, is this guy, like, draftable? I didn't know if he could block or not, and I'm glad he took a chance on him because he's a good compliment for John Bates. He's a good compliment for hopefully what we have with Logan Thomas coming back this year. Um, you need that tight end that just specializes in this. And considering we have smaller wide receivers, you need that big body down the red zone. So, and uh, they told him as much. Apparently, they flew out to Nevada to work out with him. And Scott mm-hmm. told him, yeah, we need you in the red zone. Hey, man, especially for the quarterback that we brought in. We know Carson loves to hit the tight end. He loves to throw over the middle. We know his sometimes his passes aren't always the most accurate. And this big this big fella running them seam routes going across the middle, that, that's a big target for Carson Wentz. So. The problem is Carson be hitting them in their feet. Taller you are, <laughs> it can't be hitting six foot seven people in their feet. That's a uh, fucking problem. Sure. Now I like the pick. This is Paul's yeah. guy. Paul, Paul, big Colts. Yeah, that's Paul's man. Paul, Paul be claiming him. That's your man, dog. Good call. I, hey, hey, I, I get one about every three or four years. So, um, Hopefully this one works out a little better than uh, the Philip Thomases of the world. <laughs> um, what the fuck was his name? Who? What was the corner from Maryland's name? Paul used to fuck with him. Oh, Kevin Barnes? No, 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 no. <laughs> no don't do that to me. That was definitely Corey's man. That was definitely Paul's man. <laughs> Did you see that hit on Javid Best? That's Corey voice. <laughs> I remember Paul jumping about and see for that. That's definitely Paul, man. Now, listen, listen, listen. I will own Philip Thomas. I will own Philip Thomas. I'll own the, <laughs> the uh, what was the, what's his name? Not, not Car Rambo. I, uh, David Emerson. I'll own that too. I thought he was a Stay by your man. Now, for real. Devin Thomas. Devin Emerson. Stay by your man, Leonard Hankerson. <laughs> now, my guy hey, was Bakari. I, I thought Bakari was going to be nice. But he actually started in the league after he left. At the 11th, yeah. All right, so it, if we look at this from a you know three thousand foot view, they traded the eleventh pick. So the Saints get Chris Lave, we get Johan Dotson, we get Brian Robinson, we get Sam Howell, we get Cole Turner in exchange after all the it's all said and done. And I don't really see how anybody could be upset with that sort of trade off for the eleventh pick. I see a lot of fans saying I would rather have a Lave, and I'm like, how could you possibly compare four players? three of which are going to help you this year to one single wide receiver. It, just, it, it don't make sense to me. Unless, a lot of it would have to be spectacular. You know? And it's possible. Go, it goes back to what Cliff said earlier. The big names. People know the big names. that like, And like we all mentioned, a lot of them did not watch Johan Donson. Like, Donson can make the same play as Chris Olave makes. He probably is not as fast as Olave, but I've seen Dotson do the same exact shit that Gary Wilson and Chris Olave was doing at Ohio State offense. Um, and like you said, Paul, having the ability to add those two middle-round picks to get those players, like, those are impact players that we needed. They're going to have a role. and It would have been more holes to fill if we didn't make that move. So I, I have no complaints about what they did. And I, people just need to be open to the uh, trade that we made and just give these guys a chance. And while we're at it, like, we talk about, like, a bad use of assets. I'm reading this tweet right now. It's from Justin Gale over at PFF. Did y'all see this today? About the Saints. So, obviously, the, the Saints made a couple moves this offseason with Philadelphia and with us, right, in order to move to that 11th pick. When it's all said and done, the Saints traded pick 98, 101, 120, and a 2023 first-rounder and a 2024 second-rounder for Olave. Damn. Pretty much. Mm. Which is crazy, right? I didn't know they gave up a first round pick, though. What, well, what yeah, but I'm saying, like, if, if you look at the picks that they traded to move up the first time, right? So those picks are spent. Then you take into account what they they uh, spent to move up again with us. Add those to the to the to the ledger. All them picks only equaled one core player, and it wasn't even a quarterback. So it was like, are you? Are you what are we talking about here? Basically, they're saying he's going to come out there and have an impact like Justin Jefferson. You're getting rid of, you're getting rid of all those picks. Like, I mean, if, and if he's not, I wonder if Olave was even their, their main target there. Or was it just like, we'll take any of these wide receivers. If Olave is there, we'll just – he's our our preference. I have a hard time believing they they, they traded all them picks just for Olave, like on purpose. 
I was reading they would they had they were real high on Olave. Um, I kind of thought they made that move to come up and get a quarterback, which obviously they didn't do. But I was I was surprised it was Olave. And it's funny because our local media was trying to push the narrative like if the team had known the Saints were going to trade up for Olave, they probably wouldn't have made the move because apparently we wanted Olave. And I'm just like, you guys don't know what we wanted. The team knows that, but yeah, it that that's a lot of draft capital to give up for one player, man. But hey, good luck to him with with Jabo. <laughs> I mean, these last two guys. Uh... Don't sleep on Chris Porter. I, I, I don't know. I, I know you about to you about to slide him. Don't sleep on him. No, no, no. I'm not gonna sleep on it at all. I mean, I just don't know much about them. I had never heard of either one of them up until we're never really. I hadn't heard enough about them as prospects to have an opinion about them after we drafted them. Just like you know, any reaction I have on these players is just based on what I've read after the fact. Um, but they both were uh, three, four year starters. Apparently, you know. Tulsa's O-line was one of the better, uh, I don't know, mid-major uh, offensive lines in college football this year. They had a guy go first round, I believe, to the Cowboys, their tackle. Yeah, yep. yeah so they had some good prospects over there. They both scored really high, if the, uh, the relative athletic score. So I have no problem with drafting really athletic guys late. Just You're just kind of just throwing shit against the wall and seeing what sticks. Might as well take the best athletes you can. It, and they stuck to the theme that they wanted to get some guys that were a little bit older, uh, I mean, in, in the cornerback's case, a lot older. Christian Holmes is almost 25 years old. So, yeah. yeah. But, but even uh, with that said, like, I, with, with Chris Paul, I know, like you said, we're not going we to sit here and gas the seventh-round pick. But if anything, I, I think we could trust our offensive line coach, John Mesco, and getting the best out of him. And like you said, he scored well, and he played alongside that tackle that Dallas took. I forget his name. Um, what is that kid's name? Because Ben Standing actually said we, we would have been interested in him if he had dropped to the second round. Um, but they right. said he excelled at Tulsa, so right. I mean, you know, somebody that I was reading said that when you turned on Tulsa like tape to watch, like the best two players on their offense mm-hmm. was the guy that the Cowboys drafted and the guard that we took in round yep. seven, which is you know, that's something. I mean, it was a big delta between the two players, like on the draft board, but they clearly had like a good thing going, and maybe you replicate that with somebody else here. Like, it's you know, how well does he play with the guy next to him? Mm-hmm. And as far as quarterback goes, he transferred from Missouri. Um, I think he, like jumped forty inches, like ran the four threes, like really blew up at his pro day. Like maybe there was somebody that had gotten some love after the season just because of his pro day was so good. But like I said, if you want to draft just the best athlete at that point, it's mm-hmm. just as good as any other um, uh, strategy you could have at that point. Josh, yeah, well, he's he's Oklahoma, yep. Oklahoma State had a very good defense. You know, that's very rare in the Big 12. Oh, no, nah, it's the old days. You see, the Big 12 has changed. They really have. <laughs> the offenses are ass now. Damn, West V? They are. Damn. I they mean, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I'm just fucking full. <laughs> oh, you know, Oklahoma State was made to playoff, didn't they? Didn't they blow it late? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very good this year. Yeah, they were solid. That tackle from Dallas was Tyler Smith. That's his name. Yeah. Tulsa. I know that we didn't read much about the undrafted free agents, uh, but, you know, every year there's a guy that um, we think has a better than 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 uh, ordinary chance to make the team. Last year it was our boy Patterson. We just knew that running back was need and that he has had a good chance because he was a very productive college player. And, and you know, like I said, there's a need there. Um, is there anybody that you think might have a chance? Like just – Glance at the list, anybody that even like name recognition, anybody you think could do uh, something. Kid, what's his name? I don't know how to pronounce his name right. Jaquez Ezard. I'm yeah. interested to see him, the wide receiver. Apparently, he's a local. Yeah, went to Howard. Um, I think he transferred to Sam Houston State. Mm-hmm. And I watched a couple of his highlights. He, he got a little burst to his game, played a lot on special teams and returned. So, you know, you, like you said, Paul, there's always one sleeper that comes out of training camp or preseason that makes his name in makes this 53 so i'm kind of keeping my eye on him because we got to see what we're going to do in the return game now um are we going to use Dotson back there or somebody from his undrafted group potentially going to step up apparently there's there's a a cole kelly truther like like section of of tape grinders twitter like the quarterback he went to um where did he start uh, he went to southeastern louisiana but he started at where he started at he started at arkansas so I think it was a five-star recruit, and like end up leaving Arkansas. Like I, I don't know the story, 
but apparently he's six seven, he's two hundred sixty five pounds. He's a big boy, big ass quarterback. Apparently he has a cannon lit up I, at whatever conference the Southeastern Louisiana Lions are in. Uh, last year, what did he throw for last year? Thirty one touchdowns, six picks, thirty seven hundred yards. I mean, that's pretty daggone good. So, um, I don't know. Cliff, I, I feel like you have a, good, a thing for, like, lesser-known quarterbacks. Have you ever heard of uh, Cole Kelly in your life? Never heard the of The name ringing a bell at all? Not even. What did you say? Southeastern Louisiana? Louisiana, yes. Yeah, started at, at Arkansas. Arkansas. Cole Kelly. My guy is, um, what's, uh, Amani Rogers, man. You know, you know, I watch Maction on 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 Tuesday, Wednesday, man. <laughs> Mac action. They moving him to tight end. He's a, he was a good good athlete, a quarterback. Uh huh. Yeah, he was at UCLA, wasn't he? Armani Rogers was he? I don't think so. He he was a quarterback. I he was a quarterback somewhere before he moved to Ohio. UNLV. 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 This. Mm. Yeah, um, apparently this cat, um, the tight end from Arizona State, uh, was a high, highly like recruited player. Just um, can't stay healthy. He only 36 catches his entire college career. What's his name? Um, Curtis Hodges. Curtis Hodges, yeah. But apparently, sort of hype about him. He's really, really good. Like, just a, a, a dude that just cannot stay healthy. A guy that pretty much, I mean, he's here because he's so talented. Also, to that point, Paul, because, you know, Logan Paulson, our local former Washington Redskins, Washington football team member, you know, he loves the tight ends. He said Curtis Hodges has a high ceiling, but also one of his issues back in college was apparently he has a shitty work ethic. Um, you know, he played with Herm Edwards, so I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how that kind of went down because <laughs> you play to win the game, Herm Edwards. How did that work out? Having a shitty work ethic, but we'll see. I mean, he can't body – and. Hey, there's an opportunity there at tight end. If anything, Samus Reyes, you on the clock, bro. So. Right. 